this is Patrick Falk with the Everyday Teacher Podcast. We have made it to episode 10. It's always special when you get to double digits. My twins just got to 10 years old last week, and that was a very special moment for them. So this is a very special moment for me. So I keep finding people wanting to talk to me, which is great, which is uh, very encouraging. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of this. Today, I've got actually my boss, my own <laughs> principal. I have, I have lots of bosses in my world. Uh, my wife is number one. And then uh, I had our director of high school on the other day, but now I have my direct principal, uh, and I'm going to butcher it. I know I am Becky Mortier on with us. Perfect. And um, the name of our campus is California Virtual Academies, but it's Destination Careers Academy. Um, and we're going to dive into what that is because this is very unique. Um, I've made mention it on previous casts. I am really excited to be part of this team. Um, but uh, let's get right into it. Becky, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, I know right before we got on, we were talking about the craziest summer. Just before we get into some of the questions, kind of like as a principal at, I don't want to say a new school, but a very unique school, what are kind of been some of the things you've been having to deal with the last couple of weeks as we prepare for school starting here in a couple of weeks? I think every parent is just looking for the right solution for their own student. I mean, I'm looking for things myself for my own two boys. So I've been talking with a lot of parents who are just really trying to find out what our program's about and seeing if it might be the best fit for their family. And things have been busy. We've had a lot of orientations. We have a lot of people coming to the virtual education world that might not otherwise have come if it were not for COVID. So we've had a lot of great conversations with parents about whether or not this might be the best placement for their student moving forward. That, that's awesome. It's really encouraging. Again, me, myself, only being in this space for now a year. Um, it, it is, it's a very unique opportunity, but it's a great opportunity um, for people that are uh, in fear of the unknown. And I'm sure we'll dive into a little bit later online learning versus distance learning and, and how districts across the country are, are, are really creating something synonymous, but they're really not. So um, how did you get into education? And then what was your path to administration like? I feel like I was, admin, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's fine. I feel like I was born into education. So my mom is a college professor and has been my whole life growing up. Um, my dad was a computer programmer by trade most of his life. But I remember he always was the one telling all of myself and my siblings, you should all be teachers. Teaching is the best profession and you can be home oh, with your kids during the summer and you can influence kids' lives. And so we just all are. My brother's a high school math teacher. My sister is a high school math curriculum specialist. And I taught elementary school primarily first and then got a master's specifically in math with a conceptual understanding. So I have a math background as well. Um, having babies brought me to Kava, if I'm being honest. My sister has twins that are 10 years old right now. Yay. And when she had her kids, she just was seeking out something a little bit different that could keep her home with her kids a little more. I at the time was teaching for the San Diego Community College. I was actually teaching parenting classes at that time for the college. And I was looking for something that could have me home a little bit more with my kids. And that's how I fell upon the California Virtual Academies as well. I started out at the Virtual Academies in our intervention department, which was a brand new baby of a department 10 years ago when I started. I was teaching math intervention to struggling high school students. And I kind of from there accidentally fell into the admin path, I guess I would say. I had been in the intervention department a couple of years and they decided they were going to be expanding and enlarging it and they needed an administrator to oversee that department. And I thought, mm -hmm. heck, I like doing that. I kind of always enjoyed playing a leadership role. I'm the youngest of my siblings, but I think I spent most of my life kind of bossing them around, I guess I would say. <laughs> a little 
That's a little awesome. bit. I, I love being a leader. So um, I took a stab at that admin position. I absolutely loved it. From there, I became a regional lead and then a principal. I Throughout all of that, I got my administrative credential along the way as well, and I'm very happy here. Yeah, no, and again, what's been what's been great in and how I was originally hired on in one of the normal campuses in in Kaba, and uh, when uh, the DCA campus, which we're going to talk about here more in a minute, came about, I got an email from Becky saying, "Hey, you know, wondering." And then when we got to talking. Um, I was pretty excited. I mean, I might have come across, I think I was trying to play that, you know, you, you never say yes to that first offer, but um, I was very excited to hear the direction of what the school had intended. And then it, to be very honored, quite honestly, and humbly to, to be asked if I want to participate in this, which is, which is really cool. I, I must have done something right at some point along the way to, to be asked if I wanted to hop on that bus. And I'm really, really excited about the direction we're going. So let's, what exactly is Destination Careers Academy? Our, our, our listeners hopefully know what Kava is, um, which is a, a California State Chartered High School, all online. Um, it's actually through K through 12, actually. Um, but specifically, let's talk about uh, DCA or Destination Careers Academy. Sure. The Destinations Career Academy is specifically a career and technical education pathway school for students. So we started out fully embedded in the Kava High School. So within the different campuses, there were career technical education students. So when they originally enrolled in our program, and we just started this a year ago, enrolling students in the CTE program, enrollment said, hey, we have this program where your students can specialize in one of these career paths. And at that time, it was just business and marketing um, and information technology. We didn't have a lot of different pathways at that time, but we said, if, you're in, if this is something you're interested in, we're gonna be opening up other industry sectors along the way. So we had a lot of parents start enrolling their students in the program saying, hey, this is something my student is potentially interested in. And this year, for the first time, we are breaking off into our separate campus of just our Destinations Career Academy, which will be all career and technical education students. We're currently up to just about 1,400 students oh, as wow. of today, just nice. in, the, in the Destinations Career Academy. Um, the important thing I think that they explain to these parents when they enroll is this does not mean that your student does not want to go to college, or this does not mean that your student is going directly into the career path. This just might mean that your student has a particular interest, something that kind of lights a fire in them, and it's something that they want to explore through specific electives in high school. And now that we have a lot more pathways open to students, we have a new healthcare pathway, we have an arts, media, and entertainment pathway. We are appealing to a larger group of students, and I kind of feel like every student could find their niche somewhere in the DCA, and I would be happy to put my own students in, a, in the Destinations Career Academy one day as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I think the one thing, I mean, you know, many moons ago when I was in high school in the late 80s, um, having... There, there was still very much a career focus. There was a realization that not every kid is going to go to college. It's not that, that they won't, you know, get some type of a degree. But sometimes, for whatever reason, college is not the right fit right out of the gate. So there needs to be some other skill sets presented to the students in a manner that which excites them. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of electives. And, and, you know, the one high school that I taught at here in Laguna Hills, you know, they still offer photo. They still have a auto shop. They still have arts and ceramics and and they have a they have a whole kitchen thing so they have a culinary class i mean these are really really important because it's i think 
more so than ever, and in trying to impress upon my own kids, is that you need to have an interest outside of just sports. And again, being a former coach, I'm probably going to get shunned by that. But it, there, there are so many different opportunities out there through these, you know, I'll call them extracurricular activities, third-party activities that are not part of the standard curriculum. And that's really, really huge. And, and again, having, having a school kind of saying, hey, here's the box, but within these box, you have avenues you can travel down. I mean, that's pretty exciting. And this kind of leads us into really my next question is, you know, how important is to set students with multiple pathways coming out of high school? I mean, DCA is really offering them two very specific, well, two specific avenues, but I mean, there's going to be offshoots of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the more options you can offer a student, the better, regardless of what, what those opportunities are. And the data and the statistics show that students that take place in these career and technical education courses, they just do better overall. More of them graduate, more of them even go on to continue beyond high school into school. And there's just so many different avenues that they can explore and they can find just little bits of interest in. If it keeps them wanting to come to school every day, that makes me happy. If going to these classes and learning about projects and working with their peers on things makes them excited to wake up in the morning, that's awesome. Whether or not they go on to pursue that particular career is really beside the point. As long as we can spark an interest in a student and make them excited about school and looking forward to the future in some capacity, right. that's great, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and I think, so it, it's interesting, you know, the, that show Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. Uh, I mean, he, he I think if, if I, again, I've never met him, but all the things I've seen about, you know, him talk live, he spoke to con congressional hearings about infrastructure. He's got a great TED talk out there that I would have any parent watch. And he basically makes the following statement. He says that we are totally messed up in our education system right now that we're so focused on test scores we're so focused on making sure kids go to college you now pigeonhole kids into areas where they are set up to fail and i think that's and i take a step back and i'm like you know think about just my own kids is you know luckily they're pretty good students thank god they take after their mother um it's it's but it's like anything else it's like i want to make sure my kids have a choice or a path to really have their interests flourish, you know, and I, my, my oldest, she's a nerd and I love her for it. The twins, very different. One works hard when he wants to, the other, she's really talented, but lazy. So it's like, you know, it's like, how do you get them motivated? But to make, to, to have them be able to fall back on their interests, things that they enjoy, it, it, it rounds out the educational experience. I mean, when I was in brick and mortar, I saw the, the drain of the student who had five AP classes sure. and, and, and what they look like when they roll in the class. And it's just like, I, I understand why you're doing it, but why are you doing it? And, and even more so now, you know, some colleges are like, yeah, you can take all AP classes you want, but they don't count here anymore. You and know? are they really going to be relevant to what these students are doing in college? You know, I, exactly. I think for, in my personal perspective, do dual enrollment, put those kids in some college courses and show them that they're capable of achieving in a college course and show them that a college course is not the same as an AP course. I took AP courses in high school. I did not find them to be the same as the courses I took beyond high school anyhow. So, right. Yeah. And I think in, and the other thing too, I think, when you get to college, it's, you know, like I took, I took some great survey courses, you know, being a history major, again, focused in American history. I, I took some great survey courses. Um, 
but to, to the extent of it in a 10 week period, how much time do you have, you know, you, you read a book, you attend lectures and then you test and you're done, right? It's that quick. And if I don't know how to write, if I don't know how to analyze sources, you know, an, an AP course may or may not help me with that. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's, you know, that, that, you know, those skills based stuff, that's, that's a different, different conversation. <laughs> we actually might dive into it here. Um, so one of the cool things that I'm, I'm looking forward to being part of DCA is that one of the main ways of learning is project-based learning or PBL. Now I, I said that to someone the other day and they thought I was talking about PBS. They said, not public broadcast system. <laughs> I go, that's, that's not where I'm going. Good stuff, but no, um, project-based learning. Now, um, give us a quick synopsis of, of, of what that is. And then why is it kind of the key component to the DCA campus? So project-based learning in a nutshell to me is real world learning. I mean, who would not appreciate a project-based learning model when it really is centered around things that students will run into in real life beyond what they're doing in high school. When you go into the job world, how often is your boss going to hand you a list of problems and say, solve these and I'll be back at noon. They're going to say, here's the task for today. I can't figure out how to do this. Work with your colleagues. Work with what you have and figure out how to make this work. That's exactly what project-based learning is. Taking a group of students, it's giving them a real world situation, a real world problem, often a real world problem that they can go somewhere with afterwards and something they can sure, produce sure. and share and saying, work together in a comprehensive way, the same way you're going to be asked to work together in the real world to solve this problem, to come up with a synthetic plan, to show, to, to display to us the work that you've been doing and the way that you want to solve this problem moving forward. So to me, it just makes sense. Project-based learning just makes sense because it's what our students are going to be doing for the rest of their lives. We are constantly running into complex problems that we have to take a lot of different data and a lot of different input to solve and come up with a way to solve these problems for the world or for our family or for, for to make money or whatever the problem is at that current time. Right. And I think one of the other components to that, regardless of how, you know, you rule the project out, you know, it teaches some other things is number one, it teaches a deadline. And, and I think, you know, I look back in, in my days in brick and mortar and, you know, there was a due date, but the kids always knew that if they were a good student or they brought me coffee, I might give them to the next morning. Or, you know, when I was teaching at Laguna Beach High School the night before an essay was due, everybody had internet problems. So, right. you know, it, it, but in the real world, if you miss a deadline, you were costing your company money. I mean, my, my wife is a high-end uh, corporate exec. She's a marketer. You know, she can sell water to a fish. You know what I mean? And, and she stresses all the times of deadlines. If you miss my deadline, then I, I fail. And, and I think with putting these projects in place, again, whether it's an individual or with a small group or a large group, understanding that each person is having that responsibility and accountability of getting something done is huge. And in an innate way, it puts some additional pressure, whether you like it or not, on you to perform. And when you can't perform, everybody knows. And in my opinion, I think that's a good thing. I think that that type of stress is a good thing. Now, if it, you know, there's other stresses that are bad and, and that can come up of that, you know, not being able to work with your teammates or your, your, your the people you're collaborating with, you know, those, those are also real world problems. I guess kind of also falls into that mix is, 
how important it is to get along with your teammates. And studies I mean, show that students care more about letting their their team members and the for their other students down than they care about letting their teachers down. So, you know, if you can tie that situation into your classroom and say, these kids are depending on you and then tie that into attendance and say, your team is depending on you and this is why you need to be at school, kind of a win-win-win situation. Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny on, on a side note, there was, my wife and I were talking this a few years ago and she was hiring people for her department and she'll flat out ask them if they've ever played a team sport. Because if you think about it, people that play team sports, you're part of a team. You have, you know, what's my role, what's our objective, and what is how does what talents do I have to do that? And you know, she she made the comment. I've I've since stolen it from her. Is like, why am I going to hire somebody who's never played a team sport? It's not to take away. If you're a great tennis player, awesome. If you love the swim, great. There's nothing wrong with that. That's that's like in you know that's like self discipline. But being able to play a role on a team and know your role on a team, that's huge. And I think, um, you know, a, a few weeks back, I guess, when was it? Was it April that we did the PBL training? May? I think so. Yeah. Maybe, so, maybe. yeah. So, I, again, I was, again, after I got um, agreed to come on board, you know, we've got, we, we got great week of training um, from uh, the K-12 people. Shout out to Lavisa Clark, who I'm going to have on here. He's been great, shared her time with me this summer working on PB stuff. We actually get, we're working on Monday, by the way, She's on my wonderful. project. So, um, but just the, the accountability components of, of the project-based learning, I'm, I'm looking forward to implement those details no matter what I'm doing, whether it's just a standard eight-based lesson, an ELA lesson, some type of a writing project, or the project itself. Um, that mentality begins to spill over into, I think, all facets of their ability to be a student. And I think when kids get trained to think in a certain way, I think they have less stress because now it's like, okay, well, you know, how do I approach this? And then they have, they now have a system in place, a skill set in place where they can kind of launch into something and, and put it with both feet forward versus just dipping your toe in the water. That's why I'm very excited about having our DCA campus moving forward because we have a group of teachers who have all volunteered to come in this direction, who have all embraced the project-based learning style. And most important, I think, will, will be the fact that we can talk to our kids about this across the board and say, you have embraced this project-based learning thing alongside all of us. And these are the expectations and you're going to see this all over your classes and you're going to see how math intertwines with your computer class and you're going to see how history intertwines with your CTE courses and that cross collaboration effort as well. And hopefully we can build really project based learning students and cohorts of teams that are used to working together and embrace the project based mentality. Yeah, that yeah, I'm again, I, I know I've kind of pinged you over the summer and uh, I always Anytime I send emails to the powers EB, I said, I know you don't have to respond to this. Please don't do it unless you want to. But, <laughs> but just always keeping uh, Becky up to what I'm up to. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I get bored easily. Um, <laughs> so one of the other cool things that is going to be, be implemented into the DCA, and again, I'm very excited about this, and I'm, I volunteer to be part of the team, Nolan Foro, is our digital portfolio. Um, Again, I've I've embraced. Uh, again, I've been giving George Kuros shout outs left and right on this. I'll probably I'll get another one this time. But yeah, um, let's talk about the digital portfolio. And what, first off, like 
why, why do you feel it's important for DCA? And then let's kind of branch out and say, why, why shouldn't every student be doing something like this? So let, let's talk about specifically to DCA first. I'm a huge George Kuros fan. And I remember when he um, offered the training for the Kava teachers saying to all of us at that point, a lot of times teachers will say, or students will say, but teachers a lot of times lead this. I, I'm not into this digital thing. I am not going to put my name out there. I don't want to have this stuff on right. the internet. I don't want anybody following up with me. me. And I remember him saying, you have a digital footprint whether you create it or somebody else creates it for you, you have a digital footprint. Right. So all of these kids, all these high school age kids, they've grown up in a digital world. They most certainly have a digital footprint. Is it a productive, helpful, positive footprint? That's going to be hard to say, right? So I think that the important thing here is helping to helping them to learn the importance of creating their own positive professional footprint. <clears throat> and these digital portfolios will be exactly an opportunity to do that. They'll be working alongside their teachers and a lot of different teachers at different subject areas to say, put your best foot forward. What work are you proud of? And what work resembles your characteristics as a person, as a human, as, as a learner? What do you want to portray to the world? Because when you apply to, co to colleges, it is no joke that they will be Googling your name. When you apply to jobs, when you apply for a house, when you apply for a, uh, to rent something, all of these people will be Googling your name and finding whatever they can find. So I think right. it really is our duty as educators to help students create a positive digital footprint. And I feel like there's really no better way to do that and a digital portfolio that really brings together all of their different strengths, all of their different subject areas, and all of their different work samples. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it, and again, I was, I was explaining this to uh, some friends of mine about, you know, one of the components of, of, of the campus that I'm working on next year. And, you know, initially they say, oh, so it's like a resume. I'm like, no, it's not a resume. And then like, well, it's like a LinkedIn page. I'm like, mm, no, it, it's more than that. And then, you know, it's like I said, I said, I go simply put a digital portfolio allows to allows the student to say, here I am. This is what I'm about, you know, have at it. And and seeing some of the examples um, that I think Madonna sent over, some of the kids really hit the nail on the head. They did a great job of picking things like if I, I forget what it was, but a, a, the student had like a like a writing piece and an art piece and i knew right away what their passions were like i got like where where these kids emotions are like you know the things that they're interested in and i think the digital portfolio in it itself can really help guide students down um certain paths into certain areas not to mention those people being able to kind of have a finite ability to look say hey i'm really looking for a kid who's got this this and this and then it just pulls that information into these boxes. I mean, it's, it's more than just LinkedIn. And to, to touch on the point that you made about, you know, a digital footprint, I've seen so many times now, kids put themselves out there, you know, specifically through social media and how negative it comes across. And, and they're doing things for whatever reason. And now they're, facing consequences uh, for that. And I think with this portfolio program, again, to touch on the point you said, as an, as an educator, we have an, we have an obligation, but now an opportunity to show them the proper use of using social media 
using a website, using a portfolio, and how you can properly project yourself to say, hey, here I am. These are all the cool things I'm doing. You know, feel free to like or feel free to ask questions. And I think um, it, it, it's going to be really fun helping roll that out uh, to, to our students. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm so, excited I mean, to see what happens. It's a new adventure yeah. for us. Yeah, and the other thing what's cool too, and again, I don't, you might know the numbers, I, I don't, but the number of non-DCA teachers that are going to participate in this. So our other I think we have 22, 22 okay. others beyond the DCA. That's awesome. Awesome. So, I mean, and I think, it, you know, I, I was asked uh, by, I think Erica or maybe it was Angie to speak at our, our last little meeting to kind of hype it up. And the, the cool thing, I did feel a lot of, field a lot of questions mm -hmm. and um again to your point the number one reservation well there's two reservations and this is not throwing any of my colleagues under the bus is this transparency is like number one i don't know if i have the time yeah. <laughs> which is we, we hear that way too often and mm -hmm. then number two is just you know the uncertainty of of like the results or how to do it you know so again fear of the unknown which I, I, I get, but again, I'm probably not the best person to ask when it comes to this stuff. Cause I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding? I'm just going to leap before I look. I mean, that's, that's just, right. that's, that's, like part that my problem. it's part of my problem. I, I, so I'm apologizing <laughs> everything I do this year in advance. Um, so yeah, that's, I, again, I'm, I'm can't wait two more weeks. All right. And I'm, we're all over it. So, uh, so I always like to end uh, our, our talks with a quote. And again, this goes back to our good friend, Mike Rowe. And, and again, he's the host of Dirty Jobs. I'm, we're not in any way affiliated with the, you know, the Discovery Channel, but it's just a great show. Um, and uh, he says this, happiness does not come from a job. It comes from knowing what you truly value and behaving in a way that's consistent with those beliefs. Again, happiness does not come from a job. It comes from knowing what you truly value and behaving in a way that's consistent with those beliefs. So, so, so kind of looking at that, I mean, I, I think it really, in, in some ways, really does a great job of summing up what we're trying to get accomplished at DCA. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I never so, really considered teaching a job to begin with, really, honestly. Right. I mean, to me, teaching is a mission, and it's a mission to embrace things that you really have at your heart, and it's something that has to be placed on your heart and something that you have to be willing to do, obviously, for not a whole lot of money um, and, and not even a whole lot of appreciation, I think, that we could say at some points. But then, you know, ultimately, it all comes back to a job well done and, and getting able, being able to see those students walk across that stage at graduation, especially in our case, where we're talking about a lot of students that otherwise would not have ever walked across that stage, would not right. have ever had a diploma and be able to be there in that moment with those students. And now to be able to be there before that moment with that with those students and offer them opportunities they never thought they had. Offer them opportunities to, to take a Microsoft class and earn a Microsoft certification that you walk across right. that stage with. Or opportunities right. to do dual enrollment and walk across that stage with 20 college units and your high school diploma. And just these opportunities that every student should be given in their life, but not all students are. We are gifted a very unique population of kids at Kava and a lot of those kids come from circumstances where they know nothing different and they don't they have right. never been offered an opportunity like this so to be able to be with them 
through that moment all the way to the end and see them walk across that stage, to me, it's definitely so much more than a job. It's, it's, it's our mission and it's something that we sign on daily to do. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, my mom was a teacher and, you know, I think back of just, it's weird and the you know the students held her in like reverence <laughs> you know it's like mrs p you know don't mess with her you know she's awesome and then you know when i became a teacher when you have that same you get those same relationships with those kids it's like i i look forward to teaching me again look and this isn't me you know that brown nose into the boss but i spent all my most of my summer lesson planning laying everything out because i can't wait to get going I mean, I, I was bummed that I couldn't teach summer school. That's a different story, you know, <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's, I think to, to, to your point, it, it's, it, when it becomes a job, then it's time to do something different. You know, my dad told me that a long time ago, when it starts to become like work, then you got to do something else. Cause then you're never going to give your full effort. You know, you're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to do things to keep your job, not to do things to get better at your job. And, and I think that's something that, Quite frankly, I live in fear. I, I don't want to just keep my job. I want to continuously get better. You know, I think that's something that, you know, I truly value. I truly value is what, what can I do today to be a better version of myself tomorrow? And I want my students to have the same gung-ho-ness. And I get mad when I don't see that. It's like I want to go, eh, I want to shake them a little bit. You can't do that. You can't put your hands on kids. Don't do that. <laughs> but, um, but to the point of, I, I want the kids to have that same passion and whatever it is. I don't care if you want to be a mechanic. I don't care if you want to go be a doctor. I don't care if you want to be a crossing guard. It doesn't matter what you want to do, but have, have that passion. So it, so you're never working. You're never working for a living. You're doing something that you love doing. I hope <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, anything else you want to tell the good people about DCA or the good? No, I, I mean, I think that's about it. I appreciate the time to do this. I enjoy this job so much. I enjoy working with our kids so much. I, I particularly love the unique group of kids that we're given. I'm excited for the opportunity this year has to offer when we've been doing this for, for 18 years at Kava. And, and right now, all of a sudden, we are kind of the masters in our field. I mean, I feel like we've always been the masters in the field, but I feel like right, right now, other people are finally recognizing we are the masters in our field and looking to us for advice and looking to us for curriculum sure. support. And I think we have a really unique opportunity right now to bring a group to the virtual education that may not have otherwise come here under different circumstances and really mm -hmm. show them what we're all about and see how this can really work for different types of students, for all different types of families. It might just be the thing that, that gets your student excited and helps prepare them for the future in a unique way. Awesome. That's, that's a great way to end. So again, thank you, Becky, so much for being here with us today. Um, we'll get this up on the site here shortly. Just a couple of quick uh, housekeeping moments. Uh, again, you can find the podcast on Podbean. That's the everydayteacher.podbean.com. And you can also find it on Apple Podcasts. Now, I'm really excited to announce that. If you just go into a search button and type in the everyday teacher or just education, it pops right up. It's actually like the fifth one down. So at least that was for me. Maybe it's because I'm the owner of the, of the site. Who knows? But um, you can certainly subscribe uh, in those areas as well. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. Just type in the Everyday Teacher uh, Podcast. It will come up. I'm also on Twitter at PJPollock123. Uh, 
post some good things there uh, as well. And uh, all right, boss, we'll see you in two weeks, huh? Is it the sixth, right? So yeah, next week. Yeah. Thank you I'm, for I'm, having me. It was no, my pleasure thank, being here today. No, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Take care.